Hello and welcome to another episode of the Quirky Town USA podcast here for you every Thursday, every week. We are here for all things Corgi, Corgi lifestyle, being dog parents in general, what we can bring to you. I'm Candy in my lap-ish chuckles. I'm Catherine and at my side is Digby. Also running around is Mortimer. Mortimer Barnabas. Mortimer Barnabas sitting in the corner is Little Miss Booger. And somewhere outside of the studio is Hammer. Hammer. So we have the whole Corgi committee That's right. today. And we talk a lot on this podcast and we hope that you listen and we hope we bring you good information. Of course, you can always let us know and reach out to us if there's something specific you want to know. We're happy to help. That's right. But we try to direct you to going to a good breeder if you do want a Corgi or even another dog of any breed, really, um, what to look for in good breeders. And we're very pro-rescue here as well. Yes, we are. Um, Digby's a rescue. Booger's a rescue. Hammer's a rescue. So we're very pro-rescue as well. But in being in love with the Corgi breed and being pet people that we are, uh, we thought we would do an episode about animal welfare. Yes. And what we can do. And so, you know, of course we know some famous cases and every time there's a big one on the news of about a poor animal, none of us want to hear it or know that it happens, um, that they do get abused. They do get neglected and they do get abandoned. Um, Obviously, the animals come first around here. Uh, we're very, yes. you know, we recognize the health and well-being of the animals first. Uh, but there's also a very big human human element to this. And much like when we bring on our rescue groups and we talk about, you know, these decisions that we make with animals not only affect the animals, but it affects a lot of other people when you That's make right. the decision to get, keep, or uh, surrender an animal. So I was happy to find someone who has actually worked in animal welfare and uh, has has done this dirty work uh, that some of us, I don't know that I have the heart to do, and I'm nope. sure that she's heard that, but her name is Sandy Grambort. Should we bring her on? Absolutely. All right. Sandy, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Hi, and thank you for having me on. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I, I'm sure you have a lot to say. And we talked before about we might have you on a few times in the future because uh, you've got a breadth of information uh, that you've carried with you through your travels and your experience. Um, as we're talking about that, uh, please give us, uh, tell us about you and your background. <clears throat> well, um, I currently live in Texas and I grew up in Wisconsin and in between those two states, I traveled uh, pretty much around the, around the country quite a bit. Um, Arkansas, Massachusetts, uh, New Jersey, Colorado, um, kind of did the school of hard knocks thing before I went to college. Um, ended up in Arkansas and in looking for a job there, I couldn't find a job. And I was like, you know, how am I going to do this? So yeah. I was bored. I was angry. I was like, really frustrated. And I thought, well, <clears throat> I'll walk down the street and I'll volunteer at the local animal shelter for something to do. Now, I had never been in an animal shelter before in my life. This was 1987. And um, I thought, well, I'll go volunteer. You know, I'll go do something to help out. And I walked into a little teeny tiny uh, cement block building that smelled like dog manure and bleach. 
and I fell in love. <laughs> so um, from that point forward, uh, I was a volunteer for a few months. I got the job as a kennel cleaner. I got the job as the animal control officer there. Um, and over the years, uh, from then until 2013, I kind of worked my way up through the ranks wearing all, all the hats that you will wear in an animal welfare yeah. uh, career up until um, 2013 as a manager of a large metropolitan shelter here in Texas um, when I called it quits. Okay. In a nutshell. In yeah. A nutshell. That's a, well, that's certainly not easy work. Nope. Um, and that's, you know, I, I kind of said a little bit about, I, I don't know that I could do it. No. I'm extremely no. empathetic and I'm extremely sensitive and I feel things very deeply. And uh, it, it's hard for me to read and hear stories and how selfish of me to even say that because I don't, I, I don't physically do it. Now I've rescued a couple of animals, but when I say rescue, there's a comedian, Bill Burr, that has a whole, whole bit about how he, he hates that it's called rescue. He said, you got him from a rescue group or a shelter. You didn't run into a burning building and rescue, rescue the dog. Yeah. <laughs> so, true. you know, conjecture. But uh, but yes, I do have rescues, uh, you know, and I, I with my booger specifically, um, she was in very poor condition, very poor health when I yes, got her. she was. And the older she gets, uh, kind of the worse she gets, some of those problems kind of rear their ugly heads. Uh, but uh, I would love to hear from you. <clears throat> um, you know, you explained to us how you got started. And uh, we hear about these famous cases and how if it gets spread into media, social media, the news, those particular cases get an influx of offers to uh, adopt. People want to help. They get compelled because they, right. they see the case. But that's just a small fraction of it, it's just yeah, it really is just it, it's just a smidgen. It's those are it's examples, small examples yeah. and people want. A, a bit of that 15 minutes of fame, I think. Well, I mean, maybe. Yeah. So let's, let's ask Sandy, what do you think? Like, if, do you think there's a why? And I, I would imagine you speak to this not only for yourself, but also for some of the colleagues that you've had over the years. Um, you know, do you think it, what, where the why is it? Do you think it's looking to do fulfilling work? Um, you know, do you think it's that this, this helps people kind of tick, you know, what, what would you say to that, that question? You know, it's a question I think that a lot of folks in the animal welfare industry ponder on a regular basis, yeah. um, trying to understand what drives people to animal welfare as a as a career or what drives them to rescue um, your average dog or cat that's waiting for a new home. What drives people um, to us? That's a, That's a question. So I can't really say that I can address it definitively, but what I can tell you is what I think about it. Um, and I will tell you that through my entire 25 odd years and doing this off and on and around the country and even internationally a little bit, um, this work is about people first and foremost. Um, if you're in rescue, if you are in the animal sheltering world, if you're an animal control officer, if you are a, a, a humane society administrator, one of, the, one of the things that I'd like to leave your audience with is if you're in this field, you need to care about people first. Sure, we all love animals. You know, I do. I've got a house full. They're mad at me now, but, you know, they'll get over it. Yeah. Um, 
but I mean, I grew up loving animals. I had hamsters. I had, I, I brought home tadpoles. You know, I did all the stuff, all the things that everybody who loves animals does. Right. You know? And I carried that through into my adulthood and I wanted to help them. The very first day at that volunteer shelter that I noticed, um, you have to help people. You have to care about people. And here's why. This is the most important part. You need to care about people because if you care about animals, and we all do, animals don't cause their own problems. They can't solve their own problems. What's the common denominator? People. People. Exactly. So you have to care about the human per person that's right in front of you with the dog problem or the cat problem or the neighbor problem or the barking dog problem or the kitten stuck in their engine or whatever the, the case may be. That human being is your is your number one, your number one priority right then and there. Wow. If you're in an animal shelter and you're the receiving person and you take in animals over the desk all day long, boxes of kittens and boxes of puppies and dogs with broken legs and, you know, and, and baby chickens. Nobody wants all those things happen in an animal shelter on a daily basis. If you're that person behind the desk and you see people every day, every day, every day bringing you these animals and you start to hate those people, you're in the wrong business because those people are your primary contact. Those people are your customer. Um, what drives people like me and you to the animal welfare business? Um, I would hope that it's a care of and an affection for and a desire to be with and and people. It's all about the human being. Yeah. Um, that's where everything begins and ends. So you want to help animals, you've got to care about the human. Whether you like them or not, you don't have to like them. You just have to want to solve the problem. Yeah, I think I think actually loving humans is easier than liking them. <laughs> yes, yeah. loving loving humans, even individually and 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 the human race, is uh is, is simple. Yeah, you're right. And I think a lot of parents them, would agree with us here. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And then liking them. <laughs> yeah, the ones with the 16, 17 year old kids who just wrecked the car, kind of thing. Yeah. That, those would be the those would be the humans. Those would yeah, absolutely yeah. be the humans. So what initially in my thought um how can you do this what what's going on with you and and yes you can see where people have situations um we we like to immediately think of i'm in a bad situation i'm in an abusive situation i've lost my home i i you know as a human have had this tragedy i don't want to extend this tragedy to my you know to my fur baby and then there are those who just can't anymore. How do you get to the point where you look beyond what most of us, myself included, say, what the heck is your problem? Yeah, don't get person? stuck on it. Yeah. How do you, how do you get past that? Are you talking about, about the, the person, who the person is, who's, yeah. who's done the, who's done the bad deed? Yeah. And I mean, how do you look at them and still want to help them? Exactly. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Um, it's, a, it's about judgment. So as, as animal rescue people, and I'm going to put myself in that boat because that's where I started. Mm -hmm. You know, we've had I, our personal best here in the house on a foster day was a Christmas holiday with 17 dogs in our house, you know, and it's a little crazy. But, you know, we've, I've, we've been there. But to answer your question, um, 
it's easy to get in this business for the warm fuzzies you get because you're helping an animal and then look at the person who is not who is not as fortunate or has made mistakes or has has had circumstances you know conspire to prevent them from doing their very best and their dog is thin or their dog needs heartworm treatment or their their cat has had you know 15 litters of kittens you know pick your crime right rescue walks in and immediately we're like a bad person bad human what were you thinking why do you have a dog if you can't even provide heartworm uh, prevention why do you have a dog um if you can't get your cat spayed why do you have a cat judge 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 that's what we do we're super good at judging people especially yes. when we're when we're better we're perfect i'm perfect all my dogs yeah. are perfect all my animals are perfectly cared for you know my neighbors not so much so i'm going to judge them it's that judgment i think that prevents us from offering the person with the problem our our, our best our personal best in in um sincerity and in a desire to truly help solve the situation not just yank that animal out and take it into my own heart and save it because i want to save it right. you know offer that human being your 100 percent effort they're as much in need of your help as that animal is mm -hmm. that's what i believe yeah that's amazing yeah i love that i'm a big fan of leading with compassion yeah um Cap, yes. Capper's on me all the time. She's like, oh, you're so kind. I, well, I mean, maybe, but I'm not it, always kind. I mean, I'm, I'm, you can ask some of the people that I've worked <laughs> with, you know, <laughs> I've, I've, I've had my moments. We all have our moments because we're humans for crying out loud. Yeah. You know, this we, is a tough business. We have our friends and foes. Yeah. All of us as humans do have our friends and foes. Um, but I, I love that you take that approach because it is, you know, I'm a big fan of leading with compassion and it can be hard, um, especially when you see so much ugly like yes. you do in that. Yeah. So I would like to know what would you, um, if we were to ask you, you know, what, what would you want people to know about this kind of work? I mean, because it's different reading about it, knowing about it, know it happens and actually living it. Um, it's dangerous work. It's not dangerous, really, like the police officers and our firefighters and first responders see. It's not that kind of danger. It's dangerous to your to to who to your psyche. It's dangerous to your 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 mental and physical and emotional health. Um, it's super passionate. That's why we're in it. You know, uh, years ago when I started out as a as a volunteer and then a, a kennel cleaner and then an animal control officer in the streets. Um, it's passionate work and it's so important because it's the first job I ever had. It's the only job I ever had that, that I lived for. I couldn't wait to get back to work. I couldn't, I mean, I didn't want to go home at night. Um, I didn't care if I had to work the whole weekend. You know, it was that kind of work that just, that just completely took over. Um, that's the danger. You forget to find a balance. Um, because a balance isn't important when you're doing more important work, you know, when you're saving puppies and kittens, you know, good Lord, what's more important than that, you know, to people like us, yeah. um, you as a human being, as a person are more important than the work. And that's the first thing you forget about. I'm speaking from my own experience here. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's easy to see. <sighs> I'm good. It's yeah, it's definitely easy to see that 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 
in everything, we tend to forget ourselves. And that's why I like to say my favorite quote is said, you know, thousands of times a day by flight attendants all over the world, put your own oxygen mask on first. Well, there you go. That could be a t-shirt for crying out loud. That's right. For I all should. animal rescue people, put your own mask oh, no. on first people. Yes. And then save the baby. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's yeah. That, and that's a good perspective. Cause I yeah, think that's, that's awesome. That's think is that, yeah, you have to look out for number one. And I know that you've done this for many years and you've done it in a few uh, different capacities. Loaded question, but is there a case that is specifically either triumphant to you or memorable to you? Maybe one that you won't forget. Well, there's there's a lot that I won't forget. Um, sure. But the, uh, some of the larger cases, of course, are the ones that stick out the most. Some of the smaller cases are the ones that, that um, I'll, I'll give you two, the biggest and one of the smallest. One of the biggest cases was in 2009 um, here in Texas in Hill County. There was a case with um, several hundred head of livestock, horses and cattle. And we began the investigation in October of 2008 when it came to our attention. And we, it took us several months to gather enough evidence to present, to put the case together. And then there was an election year, which was awesome because we got different judges and we got different sheriffs that mm -hmm. were more amenable to what we had to present to them. So the 2009 Hill County uh, horse and livestock case uh, in Texas here um, changed my life uh, and the lives I'm, of the couple of folks in our agency who um, that was like four or five of us who did that giant case. And, uh, a, you know, a, a large national organization would spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to, to do what we did. And we did it on a nickel and we did it well. Um, and we lost some, some creatures and we made mistakes and um, we lost our tempers. And we made friends and we lost friends. And we were successful and we saved what we could. And it was a wonderful case that um, I'll never, ever forget. On the other end of the spectrum is a little horse. And I, I'll stick with horses just because those two came into my head. I'm a horse person at heart to begin with. Um, but there was a little horse not far from where I live here. And this was in 2006 or seven. Um, and the neighbor called and it had rained and rained and rained and rained and rained. It was March here in Texas and March can either be awesome or it can be terrible cold. And it thundered and lightning and rained all night long. And they said the horse was dead in the mud. So I went there, um, not knowing what I was going to see. And it was a little white horse that was tied with a, a, a cord and a halter. And it was down in the mud and it had spent most of the night struggling to get up and it was so thin and and starved and it had fallen on the rope on its side so the rope was underneath the horse but it it was tangled in such a way that every time the horse raised its head the rope pulled its head back down into the mud so it was dying in the mud and it was pouring down rain when i got there and i euthanized the horse there in the mud in the pouring rain by myself it was a little white horse um, and I felt a range of emotions, as you could imagine. You know, I was angry. I was glad to help the horse. I was, you know, 
brokenhearted that the horse had to suffer on and on. But I always called that little horse, the little mud horse, you know, so it stuck, it sticks in my head. Um, helps me understand that particular case, um, the importance of and the value of euthanasia as a tool yeah. in animal rescue. Mm -hmm. um, in that particular case, that's what the horse needed. Um, euthanasia as a tool is a whole other topic, of course. Mm -hmm. um, but it's a topic that invites and incites, you know, conversation and emotion on both ends. And it's not talked about enough uh, in, this, in this business. So both those cases um, were, were um, um, important. I yeah. know it's a fancier word, but um, unforgettable, of course. And there's, there's a hundred more. Right. So, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, thank you for, sorry, we had to make you relive it. Yes. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. It's okay. But thank you for sharing. Yeah. Um, and so touching back on this, you know, putting, putting the person first, uh, you got to look out for number one. Um, when we talk to our rescue groups, you know, they right now, and it, it ebbs and flows. Yes. But we know that right now, uh, shelters and rescues are full of owner survivors. Right. Uh, there's been a huge problem here. Uh, and part of that is that the people <clears throat> that do this amazing work that everyone loves to be so passionate about, but not all actually take action, that the ones that do take action and work in it, um, that are very they're very stressed there uh, many of them are at the end of the rope and they're, they're burnt to out do, yeah burnt out. burnt out so do you have advice when you talk about trying to find balance um on on how to prevent burnout like what does self-care look like for the animal welfare worker <laughs> um <clears throat> and here again there's there's a zillion people out there who have, have gone over this this very question and I mean, there's professional um, counselors out there who are studying. Finally, at long last, they're they're looking at animal welfare people and veterinarians. You know, veterinarians are probably uh, more visible than animal control officers and rescue people. But you know, veterinarians have have experienced a rash of of suicides and yes. and and serious um, interpersonal pain from the work that they do with people and animals. And, and that ties back to the passion we all feel for the, for that human animal bond. But um, self-care, you know, I left the industry, the animal welfare industry in 2013. Um, and it was a decision that I made one morning on the way to work. I'm driving up one of the major highways here in the Metroplex in my big black truck with my big cup of coffee and my, my nice pants and my shiny shoes. I was a manager at a large shelter uh, close to Dallas. And on the way up there, um, I thought to myself, I'm sitting in traffic, you know, and tapping my toes. And, and I thought to myself, gee, Sandy, so if you had a diagnosis today of a terminal illness, at least you'd have something to look forward to. And I sat there in the truck and I thought, what did you just say to yourself? Yeah. And what does that really mean? Let's talk about this, Sandy. You know, I'm talking to myself. And I, how do you feel about that? Well, truthfully, I felt numb. I, I didn't feel anything. I was like, yeah, whatever. So all of my career, all of those 20 odd years that I, you know, worked in the field and, um, in the dark, in the rain, and stinky shelters, and good shelters, I never felt um, empty. 
And I didn't know that I was until that moment. So that told me to get out. And yeah. we, you know, my family and I, we sat that night and we figured out a path for me to do that. Um, I never thought that I would be there because I was, you know, invincible. I was the calm one. I was the, I was the one who was, who eat more easily found the balance. I was the one that calmed my friends down. You know, I went to the hospital and saw my friend who tried to commit suicide with a shotgun, you know, my other animal control friend years and years back. And that was never going to happen to me. It does. It sneaks up on you. How to avoid that? To answer your question. <clears throat> um, you know, um, <laughs> if I had that answer, I wouldn't have been where I was. <laughs> right. Um, I would say that that one of the things that's most important is to find the balance in, in your passion and in, and in your life. Um, don't make your life your passion. That's what I did. I worked you know, I lived to work because right. the work meant that much to me. And yeah. that's easy to do in rescue. Mm -hmm. Super easy. Um, that's the most important thing, I think, is to find a balance. If you if you find yourself working more than than taking care of your family, taking care of your mowing your lawn, you know, planting a flower, um, having lunch with a friend without having your your phone on 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 ready for your shelter to call you or your rescue group to call you the time to take care of your own self happens with yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. That's um, so and we don't do that because we're so busy saving animals. This one has to be saved and that one has to be saved. And then there's five kittens over there. And then there's three dogs on the street and you're on social media and five more pop up on your Facebook feed. Um, when I first started this in the eighties, um, we were euthanizing, you know, hundreds a day there wasn't a Facebook. There wasn't social media. We didn't even have the internet. We didn't have email. You know, we didn't even have right. cell phones. Oh my gosh. You know, no, that's true. Um, that's a, that's a whole nother element to, to what happens to rescuers these days. Um, it's a terrible beatdown, and it's super, super dangerous. I go back to the danger part. You're yes. a first responder in the, in the animal, in the animal rescue world. And even first responders get counseling, you know, how to take care of themselves. We don't. You got to start by, you know, care about yourself first. Yeah. Yeah. Very accurate words. Very much yeah. so. Well, thank you for sharing all that with us. Uh, we don't want to take up any more of your time today and talking about uh, take us back through the trenches. <laughs> yes. Um, but we so appreciate. Thank you for the work that you've done. Yes, for indeed. Um, you know, animal lovers. And, uh, you know, I, I don't help nearly as much. I've rescued a couple and that's. <laughs> That's what I have under my belt, but that's uh, we can't thank you enough for the type of work you're doing and your colleagues that you've worked with. Um, amazing. And thank you for giving us, um, you know, that that piece of philosophy, that piece of knowledge of, you know, find balance, care for yourself first. Don't forget, you have to put your mask on first. That's so excellent, Kat. I mean, that was that's that's phenomenal. I wish I had that on a T-shirt for real. That's right. Great. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it's that, true. that's the essence of what I was trying to ramble on and say. So <laughs> no, no, that's, uh, yeah, it, it just hit me one day in, on a flight. And it's like, <laughs> wait a minute, this is be, because even then, if you think about every time you get on a flight, you're like, why would I do that? Why wouldn't I like help my baby first? Well, because you will pass out mm -hmm. and die. You and then the two people die. <laughs> yep. And yeah, and, but we don't, you know, thank goodness it doesn't, 
tragedies don't happen that often with that. And so we don't think about what is the reason behind that? What is the reason behind whatever work you're doing and especially the work that, that you're doing with animal rescue and even our veterinarians, we think, Oh, you know, Oh my gosh, it's a veterinarian. What is, what are they doing all day euthanasia? Mm -hmm. It's, it's hard on them. It's Trump. And also trying to not absorb the emotions around others as well, like protecting yourself. Cause I'm sure a lot of that um, in both animal rescue and veterinary care is that you're also with the veterinary care, you're dealing with the humans who love right. these animals so deeply. They're their family and you're dealing with their emotions as That's well. Right. It's, you know, it's heavy. You know, can like, I, can I insert really quick with rescue? Right. It's the same. Yes. So there's a lot of, a lot of people, I mean, I go back to the judging thing. Um, but if, if you knock on someone's door and I learned this from a sheriff's, uh, a sheriff's detective who I dearly love, he's retired. Um, he always told me, he said, Sandy, it's about the people. He, we, we knock on doors. There'd be some starving cattle in the back, the back pasture, whatever, knock on a door and a little old lady would come to the door and, and he'd, he'd introduce himself and he'd ask her, you know, about the cattle and she'd have one reason or the other. Um, there are very, very few animals that are intentionally abused. It's there. It's out there. You know, don't, don't, I mean, it's definitely out there. I will, I will agree, right. but it's not as prevalent as, as we'd like to believe. Most cases that we saw, over 90% of the cases we saw were unintentional neglect. So you knock on the little old lady's door and she comes to the door and there's her starving cattle and you immediately want to go, you know, what the heck's wrong with you, little old lady? Why didn't you feed your cattle? Well, you know, who are we to know that, that, you know, her social security check barely buys groceries for or whatever the reasons are. Exactly. But um, the judging part of the animal rescue thing is is so hurtful and and will prevent a solution in the long run. Um, caring about the people up front, finding out what what the situation is, asking questions, leading. I mean, appreciative inquiry questions. You know, hi, my name is so and so. I'm here today to to help you out. With I see your dog is struggling in the heat. Is there something I can do to help you? What's wrong with that approach? Right. It's harder to do because it's so easy to judge and hate and be angry and yank that dog and sneak in the back fence and steal it. And you're the rescuer and you jumped in and saved the dog. And, and you know, in most states, animals are property. You just broke the law. Right. Um, if you have the jurors, if you have the, if you have the, the legal authority to walk into someone's yard, knock on their door, um, then have the, have the, the compassion to ask them how you can help them help their animal. And that can teach us so much just with the neighbor. Hey, what what's going on? How can I help you? They may be struggling as well. Yeah. You know? Ask first. Ask first. Judge later or not at all if you can help it. And, uh, and I, yeah. And and folks who are on the other end of the phone, the rescue folks who have started up a group because they can do better than the next one. And their phone rings with the fifteenth person that day who wants to surrender their their pet store corgi. You know, and you're like, oh, one more god dang, you know, pet store person. And you answer the phone, you're like, you know, what were you thinking? And that's what you want to do. But if you're in the rescue world, that's the wrong thing to do. If you can't say, how can I help you the 15th time that day, then you're not in the right business. And it's hard and it's dangerous. Yes. 
That's very illuminating, though. I don't think a lot of us think of it in that no, context. No, a lot of us, I think, were, were raised with, well, you're a baby. A lot of us were raised <laughs> with the, the old cartoons where the rescue person, where you, Sandy, were made to be a horrible, horrible monster. You come and you in the car, you know, there you was come a stigma. You, there was a stigma. Oh. Yes. That they, that the dog, well, that was the old dog catcher. Yeah. Right. That, yeah. and yeah, that it's the, it, it was that stigma. So you think, oh, well, that's, you know, this person is going to knock on my door and they're going to take my dog and they're going to take my cat and they're going to, it's an old stigma that has to be oh. gotten over. And if, and if you reach out, reach across the aisle and say, how can I help you? How can I help you do better? Right. Folks are like, oh my gosh, you're asking how you can help me. And it's a relationship you start building right away. And the and the fruit of that relationship then is a better life for that animal. So the same thing applies over the phone. If you're a if you're a rescue group and your phone rings, which or your email, you know, and you get this big long rambling email. I've I've seen it on Facebook as people making fun of people's emails asking for help. Oh my God, I can't believe that she's breeding her dog to make money to take her, you know, put her kids through daycare, you know, and judge, judge, judge. How does that help that dog? How does that help that person? That judgment, well, it doesn't help. Find ways to put the judgment aside, and you yourself will be a, a healthier person. Uh, and you'll be able to put your mask on and yep. help the person next to you do better for their animal. You won't have to rescue as many if you can help them stay in their homes by being that person that helps. Mm -hmm. um, and, it's, and and go back to the very beginning. It's about people. Do you care about people enough to do that? Do you care about people enough to answer the phone on the 15th ring that day when it's going to be the same dang story about the same stupid mistake that the same stupid person made and you're tired of hearing it? And you don't want to do it, but you're going to answer the phone and you can see so you can be mad at that person. What good is that if you right. can't be open and if you can't listen and if and then you're in the wrong business and you're going to burn out anyway. So, right. Um, I know you're getting short on time and I'm kind of rambling here, but no, not at all. Um, we value your take 100 percent. Yeah. Well, I mean, these are things that, I mean, I was that person, you know, who said, you know, what, what are you thinking? You know, putting that dog on a chain in the backyard and judge, judge, judge. I was there. I'm not saying this because I'm, I'm perfect. Lord almighty. I'm not, I'm far from perfect, but, um, retrospect and having to these last, you know, was it 2013? This is 2022. Do the math nine years, almost I've been out of the business. Right. Um, that's a lot of, that's a lot of thinking I've done and a lot of healing I've done mm -hmm. from the work that nearly, well, it kicked my rear end, to be honest with you. And right. um, I didn't care if I lived or died, really, um, which is crazy. Yes. Right break down to think about it. And and other people, they're going through the same thing now in, in 2022 that was this, the, the, the shelter industry when I started in 1987, we've come full circle. You know, they're, they're having to euthanize animals by the hundreds again. Mm -hmm. um, we did. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the no kill thing came up and then a lot of things changed and, and here we are again and, and euthanasia is a dirty word and people are doing it and not telling anybody and they're taking on all that pain themselves. They have no one to share it with. Um, where do we go from here? We can do better. We got to care about each other 
and judging has to come to an end in some way, shape, or form. We have to reach across the aisle, care about the person we work with, care about the door we knock on, the person behind that door. We have to care about the human aspect of this work first. Wow. That is really powerful. It is I'm gonna, very powerful. I'm going to leave it at that. Lead with compassion, ladies and gentlemen. It makes the world a better place on so many fronts. Sandy, thank you for your time today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me on. I'm happy to, to be here. So thank, thank you for what you do. Oh, thank you. And you too. Yeah, we appreciate your time. Have a great rest of your evening. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. I'm always so moved when we do, you know, yes. these, these yes. uh, specials and, on animal rescue and, and re you know, shelters. Yeah, and, 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 and her story of the little white horse, I mean... It's hard to think that that the poor horse couldn't, and it is. It is joyous, and and I use the word joy, um, not like most you know most people think joy is happy. It's not joy is just anyway. Um, fulfillment it is, versus it is fulfillment, being jovial, right? Yeah. And and so joyous that Sandy and others like her have the compassion. And the strength to say, I'm here. Bye. <laughs> the chutzpah. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we hope that you uh, learned something this episode. We certainly did. Some Go of hug our... a rescue worker. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Buy them some coffee. Take them out to lunch. lunch. Give them a hug. Tell them that if they want you touching them. Yes. <laughs> don't, don't touch anyone without <laughs> asking <touch>. first. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, thank you all in the community that work in animal welfare and um, as audience. We hope that you learned something. Uh, we know that some of our episodes are, are not as fun as squishy. Some of them we talk about some stuff that's kind of heavy, but it's very important and there are conversations that yes. need to be had. Um, take care of yourself. Take care of your loved ones. Lead with compassion. Bye. Candy, cat, chuckles, Mortimer, booger, hammer, Digby. Digby. The Corgi <laughs> Committee. Good night. Good night.